This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. It's very popular today, the discussion of this world potentially being a, just a digital simulation. And that's really good in the Jewish world because Judaism has always believed this world's a digital simulation. In our tradition, this world doesn't exist. In it's in and as of in and of itself, it is rather a projection. It's being projected into existence via a being. There's a being projecting the world into existence. Now, if you think about it philosophically, it makes total sense because. We can't both absolutely exist. Either we're a projection of God or God's a projection of humans. One of us has to be the projection. You can't have both of us empirically real. Why? Why is that? Because if you want to say that there's a God, well, God is outside space and time, unlimited by space and time, and we're inside a world that is limited. And so you don't... So if God absolutely exists, then you can't have a physical world. Because the physical world is limited by space and time. So how can you have an infinite being that's limited? It's obvious. Not li- it can't be infinite. Once you say God's infinite, you can't have a physical world empirically exist, exist unless we're a projection of the infinite being. Automatically, we have to be a projection of that infinite being. Or you could say we do exist. Like we absolutely exist. And we're going to project that there's a God out there. As long as you don't call it infinite. You know, I mean, it's like Krusty the Clown out there is creating our world. Just don't call it an infinite God. Now, in Judaism, we do call it an infinite God, so we, that's why we hold that way. Judaism says we're a projection, not God's a projection. You know, materialist atheists say God's the projection. But, again, they, they'd have to say, they have to be talking about some kind of Christian God that is a projection, because it really is a projection of humans projecting God onto things. But in Judaism, we're not doing that. We're, we're saying that God is an absolutely infinite being, an unknowable state of nothingness, ultimately. It's not anything, because it's what created things. So it isn't a thing. It's just some kind of consciousness that's infinite. And, and since we're in a finite world, so... It's not possible that we simultaneously are real. And so we're saying that this infinite being has projected finitude into existence. So it's kind of interesting having discussions with atheists on that subject because because they generally, meaning it's you're back to like the God they don't believe in, we don't believe in either. I mean, the God they're projecting, the God that, that Christians and when I say Christians, I just mean like religious people. It doesn't have to be Christians. But the God that religious people project, we don't believe in as Jews. Because we know that God's not made of anything. It's not anything you could ever think of. It's certainly nothing you could ever describe. It's, you know, it's an un- un- unknowable, you know, not a kind of per- pervasive lack of thingness, otherwise known as nothingness, which is why we call it ayin with an aleph. Ayin means ein sof, like Ayin, it's 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 the ultimate it's ultimate zero. But think about it, once you have nothingness, well, how many nothingnesses can you have? Once before there was something, there was nothing, but how many were those nothings? 
How many nothings can you have? Zero. Right. Well, one, nothingness. But and that's why we say it's one. Well, when you have one nothingness, it's one. Nothing, I think of a zero, not as one. I know you do, mathematically, and that makes sense, and we can even play with that. But we're talking about, we're talking about one nothingness, meaning you can't have two nothingnesses. You can't have two nothings. <laughs> you can only have one nothing. If you multiply nothing by, if you multiply nothing by thirty, what do you get? Nothing. nothing. It always remains just one nothingness or undifferentiated oneness. Undifferentiated oneness. It's not the number zero. It is one, and that's an interesting thing, and that's something we all have to get: is that whatever this being is, it's nothing and one nothing, because you can't have two nothing automatically. Now, nothing stays nothing, because if you have nothing, it stays nothing. If I took all the water out of this cup and sealed it forever, it would never get anything in it. So nothing remains nothing, but in this particular case, the nothing created something. And that's another reason we know it's God. It's because only God can create something from nothing, because nothing creates nothing. And unless you believe the world made itself, you automatically know there's a God, since there's a world. And the world is a space-time continuum that goes, expands and expands and expands. And so, it, it, which started at, originally with nothing, which automatically means there's a God. And that's the classic, you know, you've, if you've listened to my class, you've heard me prove God's existence a million times in my five-second proof, which is before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. Before there was something, there was nothing, and since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, it must be that nothing was God. I'm trying to get it under five seconds. Now, now the, um, so, so, someone's making something up. Either God's making us up, or we're making God up. Okay, again, the atheists believe we're making God up. But the version of God that the atheists have and the ones that the Jewish people have are the same God. Like, we all believe in the same God. They also believe before there was something, there was nothing. We, be- we believe in the same God. What believers believe in, who knows? I mean, you should, you should understand there's two things that we have a lot in common with the believers of the world. One is, you know, a lifestyle system. They, every narrative of every religion has a lifestyle system. And we also believe in lifestyle systems, so the atheists put us in the same cell, the same jail cell. Because they see we live a lifestyle that's depicted by this tradition. So, gee, we're just like them. And the other thing they see in common with us is that is devotion. We're very devoted. And I don't care if someone's bowing to cows. Holy cow. I don't care if someone's bowing to cow. Once you go devotion... Once you go devotion, uh, ladies, table for two. Just pull this chair back to that table, and then you'll have two, two right next to each other. You can tell secrets in the middle. Pass notes. So, the um, once you go devotion, this is very important. I never discussed devotion with you before. Shalom, shalom. How are you doing? Table for two. Do you mind joining uh, this lady here and we'll give these people a table for two, please? No, you must sit together. I, my whole job is keeping people together. 
You know, you know, a few divorces I had. The only divorce I ever had of someone who was willing to work with me, shh, they divorced. Shh, he remarries, divorces her, and remarries the lady of the couple I worked with. You know, the only divorce I ever had is married. Yeah. And there ain't too many people who... And not too many rabbis who have zero divorces. I mean, I have one divorce, but they're married. And the, uh, and the, I also, I, when, when, when people try to drag a, their spouse into marriage counseling, you know, and they even can do it legally, like they can make it like an injunction in the law proceedings. So I tell the man, it's usually the man getting dragged in, I tell the man, um, by the way, I'm, I'm working with the man behind the scenes, or I'm sending him to someone to work with the man behind the scenes. So we just need to stall. We just need to stall. Because if we can work with a man, she'll drop the, drop the charges. We just got to work with a man, she'll drop the divorce. So, so the, I need time. So how do I get time? I tell the man to agree to marriage counseling. However, they have to go to a marriage counselor who has a 90% success rate of keeping people married. Doesn't exist. We got time. now Because now they have to research a marriage counselor who kept people married and a 90% success rate. The whole job of marriage counselors is usually they're like, you know, the long arm of the law of just creating the right stamped pages to push a divorce through. And so, so yeah, we, uh, we, all we need is just to work with the guy. Just need, to, just need three months, six months. If the guy's really bad, nine months. Next thing you know, she drops everything. Yeah. Divorce is never the problem of the wife always the husband. That's why the first page of the Mesecha Sota, first page of Mesecha Sota, which is about wayward women, is um, the very first page is all about the husband. <laughs> it's like, the only reason she's making trouble is because he's a problem. He's the problem. Then it goes into everything you got to deal with when there's a wayward woman. But the very first page of the Mesecha is the guy's the problem. And, the, you know, our sages understood that the guy's always the problem. Now, um, oh, devotion. So, so once someone's gone devotion, you're wasting your breath to talk them out of something. Once someone's gone devotion, and it could be to a holy cow, it could be to anything, it could be to, to you know, JC. Once someone's gone devotion, don't even bother. It's offensive to talk them out of it. Why? Because there's something very special that happens with devotion. When it comes to devotion, devotion is a function of surrender. And surrender is the purpose of creation. Okay, the purpose of creation is that we all come to surrender. This is why God basically pulls the plug on all of us at the end of our lives. Because he's thinking like, okay, if everyone knows, you know, you got a limitation on things. You know, it's not like back in the Genesis where, you know, you got people living in 900 years old. I mean, when would you get busy if you knew you had 900 years? Probably when you were like 890 or something. You'd be like, okay, 10 years left, better put on my running shoes. You know, maybe, maybe do something. You know, and by the way, don't think it was like people 700 years old just going like you understand, like the time, it's not, it's not like turtles in the sea that live like 350 years 
are like floating around like this for 300 years, you know. <laughs> you got to use your brain, you know, like based on the lifespan of a being, whether it's humans or turtles, you get full function of your life until the end, and then there's then old age sets in. Like people shouldn't be thinking like, you know, Misushelach, which is I don't even know how you Methusiel in uh, in the English, who lived how long? He lived nine hundred and what was it? Nine hundred sixty-nine years. So couldn't God like just get him to an even number? Anyway, nine hundred sixty-nine years. Everyone's like thinking the poor guy is like suffering for years and years and years of old age. No, not like that. It wasn't like that. And but what happened was in the time of Noah, you know, when God basically scraps the whole creation, when God gets when we get to Noah, God says, "That's it, man. One twenty is max." Like, from now on, like, the most anyone's going to live is around the 120 range. Why? So people put their running shoes on. People get busy. And so death is really important. That's why you'll notice in the biographies of some of the greatest artists, writers, and movers and shakers of all of human history, you'll notice that they had a brush with death when they were children. Either they lost a mother, or they lost a father, or they lost both of them, or they lost a sibling, or they themselves were deathly ill. And everyone was saying goodbye, but somehow they got better. And that's the... And then they wind up becoming these great people because they don't have this period of time where they do nothing. A society that has any section of time, and I, that includes even 18 to 22, which is the you know, 13, 14, 15, and 16th grades, otherwise known as university. Okay? The, like, even those times, that, that leeway we give those kids is... is is a great way to cause some, you know, cause real mediocrity in a lack of greatness. Don't, don't have time off. Time off's not good for us. We need to understand death is real and every day is an opportunity. And use it and squeeze it and don't ever get used to not doing that. And because then you'll, you'll live a powerful life. So many of us, you know, like, like I kept when building our sukkah and taking it down. People would be like, we had some people volunteering who just don't work very much. So after they would lift a couple things for a while, you'd find them sitting down. They'd just be like, oh. you know, and no, keep it going. Keep it going. Look how effective you are. Keep your body in it. Keep it going. Don't, don't rest. You'll sleep tonight. You'll get in your bed. You're just going to sleep like a baby for like 10 hours. You know, but, but stop trying to rest every second. The fact that you can move your bag of bones and make something of yourself and make a difference for others to the point where someone might even give you money for you moving your body around. Like, what a privilege. It's fun to move your body around anyway. I was having a blast with all this sukkah building and taking down the sukkah and stuff. No one's handing me no money for that. But the fact that people do hand me money for moving my lips around. People are like, the fact that I can move my jaw and get paid for that, which means like I have something to do with this body of mine. What a pleasure. What a pleasure. It's not work. There's no such thing as work that you moved your body around and someone handed you money for that. That's not work. That's your pleasure. Now, um, the purpose of creation is surrender. God's going to take all of our lives. We're gonna, every one of us is going to lose everything we got called death, but we're all going to lose it. 
And so you can surrender before that, or you can surrender during it. But, but like, you want to live an amazing life? Get devoted and surrender. Get devoted. And when someone's devoted to something, even the most insane thing, but they're devoted to it, don't mess with that person. Don't mess with that person. This is why you got to be careful debating people who are, de- who are already surrendered to something. Probably not a great idea. Probably not a great idea. As long as they're still fighting the good fight, they're not quite surrendered, debate. But in the end, we all have to get to that place of devotion. And devotion's an amazing, amazing place to go to. Like, like men think they get a big like badge of honor for getting married because they've devoted their lives to this, to this woman. You know? They devoted their lives to this person at the expense of three and a half billion women. So they think they get like a permanent badge of honor for this. Like, which is ridiculous, of course. And our wives will make us work for it, you know, for even thinking such a thing. But, but, we're the, but the truth is, is devotion is very powerful stuff. And when, we, when we're devoted to something, we're unmovable, we're unshakable. And, and it's, an, it's an important thing to realize that, that when someone's got that level of devotion. Now, what's the big issue, though? The purpose of creation is surrender, is to finally surrender your ego and devote to something. The problem is there's a ton of things you can surrender to. And then you're a loser. No offense. But meaning, I don't mean loser like a loser socially. I mean, like, you lose. <laughs> because in the end, it's God's creation. And you weren't supposed to surrender to cows. And you're not supposed to surrender to, to you know, JC. And you're not supposed to surrender to, to uh, anything. You're only really supposed to surrender to the creator of heaven and earth. That's it. That's who's going to sweep us up anyway at the end of our lives. Like, why would you surrender to anything else? Like, that's the ultimate. All of us know in the end you meet God, you know. Not gonna meet a cow. Not gonna meet Jesus. You know, you're gonna meet God. And so, why would you surrender to anything but God? Like that's who you surrender to. And that's why it says in the Torah that God's a jealous God because so many people are surrendering to some other thing. And God's like, the only reason I made you was that you maybe devote yourself to me and like surrender your own ego and devote yourself to me. Maybe you do that. But anyway, going all the way back to the atheists, is the atheists see that Jews, just like other believers, have a lifestyle connected to it. So, gee, maybe we're the same. And they see that we're very devoted. Gee, they they seem the same. Except the atheists and the Jews believe in the same God. And the God that the atheists don't believe in is the God that the believers believe in. Meaning the non-Jews. So in the end, the atheists and the Jews have everything in common. And I've proven it over and over and over again that, that before there was something, there was nothing is the God we're talking about. And, the, and I've had many atheists raise their hands and say, Rabbi, that's a God I could believe in because I always thought God was nothing. I said, that's right, we're on the same page. Now, how does God do it? How does God project us? And the answer is he projects us via parallel realms. 
This whole system is being created by parallel rounds, just like this board is, there's light shining on the board, but if I put my hand and I create now a filter of that light, now I've created this, an image. There's now an image created via the filter of my hand. Well, what if I, what if I made that filter more complex? Well, after a while, maybe it'd be, I don't know what it'd be, it'd be a, I can't make anything creative on there with this angle, but you know, if it were another angle, maybe I can make a dog or a chicken or something. But, but the uh, you understand that the the more complex the filtering system, the more complex the image. Our entire world is a direct result of infinite light shining through parallel universes. Our entire Existence is because of infinite light shining through parallel universes. Infinite light shining through parallel universes. That's how we're here, down here. And this being that made us is the source of that light. He's not light. He created light and made this whole situation. And you've been put here as a conscious, sentient being who's here just to surrender ultimately your ego to this being. You can do it during your lifetime and you win and then God will sweep you up at the end of your life and you'll see what that was all about and you'll see the parallel worlds which is called Gan Eden or you can lose by either surrendering to the wrong thing or obviously deciding there's no God like the materialist and then you lose. You still get swept up and then you get to see what you see. But it's better to, to fulfill the purpose and surrender. Now we're going to do a special song in honor of surrendering to the purpose of creation. Please, begin. Wait, so I'm just going to sing a backup. So I should actually sing a song. Yeah. I'm singing with you. Go ahead. Okay, what am I going to say? Seamless. Oh, no, that's the one I was going to do. Something about surrender, sir. Something with death. Eternity when we get in that mode and 
and we surrender, you never want it to end. You're already not in this world. Ah. Uh. Okay, that's another subject. That is not our question. Anybody need a break? We need a break. We need a couple minutes break. Yeah. So I'm going to play my I Just Came in the Door song. Okay, this last ended. And now everybody gets a two minute break while I go. <laughs> You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.